Welcome to The Odds Pod. I'm Dave Hendrick. And I'm Ben Hennessy. And we're the team behind the Scout Comics titled The Odds, a comic book about the end of civilization in a post-tech world. With a soup song of cannibalism and a sprinkling of hope. Check it out wherever you get your comic books. And if you don't know where that is, check out the comic book store locator or just do a search for The Odds Comic Book and you'll find it. So why are you hearing from us? Well, we thought seeing as we shared our favourite apocalypse story with you that maybe you'd like to hear from other folks as to what their favourite apocalypse is. It could be the destruction of Alderaan by the evil empire or the untimely cancellation of a favourite TV show or anything in between. Whatever it is, we want to know which extinction events rock your world, which end of days makes your day, which Armageddon gets you and which great flood makes you gush. She's a creator, a connector of talents, a comic book character, sort of, an editor, a writer, an actor, director, and a penguin fancier. Her work at Marvel Comics all read Spider-Man, Deadpool, various Star Wars titles, and develop, and maybe even inspire, the unbelievable Gwenpool. Since then, she's worked freelance on a ton of huge indie titles like Time Before Time, Injection, Old Dog, and some other ones that Dex Shalvey's known. She's recently taken up an editorial position at IDW. And she's working on a Star Trek line, as well as some original material. She's an expert on story, and if it's true that stories really do set us free, then she is a literal emancipator. She is, of course, the amazing Heather Antos. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. That's like the best intro. I need you to write my bio that I hand out to people. <laughs> we work hard in these intros. Yeah, no, I, whenever I get asked to submit a bio for something, it's like two sentences. <laughs> I make comics sometimes, Yeah, and that's it. Dave says we, but but he's the intro man master, and I, I think anyone really should be paying him to get their Twitter bio written by him specifically. You know, well, he's, he's great. pretty great mastodon these days, guys. You know, or, yeah, or true, tribal or, or or whatever. We're on. Yeah, now. I still can't figure it out. Speaking yeah. of apocalypses, so Heather, you've been you've been busy, as we mentioned. Yeah, I'm very tired. <laughs> I'm very tired, you guys. Um, I need coffee. Are you living off coffee now and running up to a comic con? Oh, always, always, always. <laughs> I have been nonstop. So we're recording this uh, the second week in November, and I've been nonstop since before, like the lead up to New York Comic Con between just Comic Cons, sending comics to print, other Comic Cons, weddings, various work travel. I'm very tired. Yeah. I cannot wait until. This kind of comic convention I'm leaving for tomorrow is over. <laughs> but I love comics, I swear. They're just exhausting. Oh, yeah. Even when you've been at it like for as long as that, it, that duvet day is, is long overdue, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I it's it's just travel's exhausting, man. You know, like it is so exhausting. I want that Star Trek teleporter. They had it right. Oh, yeah, let's let's do that. I think they can they had it. They can transport maybe an atom at this point, isn't there? Has they got something? Or is it that the atom is cloned and the original one Ooh, is, it is like destroyed? The type? Is it like like the Prestige? A bit like that. A bit like the Venture Brothers. You know, it's yeah. Uh, yeah it's probably not going to end well anyway. That's for sure. You know, I think I think what they did was they mirrored an atom and they were able to make um, uh, they were able to carve something onto one atom and it would be replicated in another in real time. And Guys, I, I think I have to change my favorite apocalypse. We'll get to that in a minute. Speaking of speaking of transporters, before we before we get too uh, too scientific, um the new Star Trek line at IDW. Congratulations. Yeah. 
Thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, it's finally out. It's a long time coming and it's so, so exciting that it, we, we put it out there. First of all, it's so exciting that when I pitched it to the folks at Paramount, that they were all for it. Um, the Jackson and Colin agreed to write it, that Ramon agreed to draw it, that it came out and everyone seems to really like it. The reviews have been incredible and it's only just the beginning. It's so exciting. Yeah. Fantastic. You know, and, and talk us through that, you know, so pitching a book, you know, we've, we've pitched books to, to publishers, but pitching a book to Paramount, like, yeah. you know, that must That's be a whole different kettle of fish. It was really interesting. I mean, I, as you guys know, I'm no stranger to doing licensed comics. Uh, got my start on a little franchise called Star Wars. When I'm it, familiar with it. I'll check it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah when it did its relaunch. But um, yeah, Star Trek has been at IBW for a very, very long time. And, you know, they have had a great success doing what they do with the books. Um, but when I inherited the license um, a little over a year ago, I think it was September of 2021 that I inherited it, um, I was kind of looking back at the line and, and noticed that everything was just kind of these, uh, it was a line of miniseries that just kind of existed in the vacuum, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, where, which is totally fine. You know, if you're a fan of TNG, there was a TNG book for you. If you were a fan of you know the tv show stuff there was the the you know discovery books and they're all great and but it felt very much like the line was made by star trek fans for star trek fans and not for comic book fans oh yeah um and that's that to me was such a shame because i think there's so much as a comic book fan myself like i think there's so much about star trek to love um but, you know, it felt very insular to just Star Trek only community. Yeah. And so I really, really wanted to create a comic line that felt like a, a universe in, in and of itself. And um, so we already had on the plans for Star Trek Day in 2022, we were going to hit our 400th issue of Star Trek comics. So doing this big, you know, Star Trek 400. And I figured, all right. What if we kicked off the, a brand new number one coming out of that 400 um, of an ongoing Star Trek? I called it internally Star Trek No Colon. Okay. <laughs> Brilliant. Because every other book was Star Trek The Adventures, a Star Trek, sure. whatever, Star Trek. And I was like, no, this is just literally Star Trek, nothing else. Yeah. Cool. Um, and what would that look like? And, uh, you know, it, it took some convincing at Paramount, but I, I brought Jackson and Colin in to write, who had just had the very successful run at Star Trek Year 5, so there was a lot of trust there um, internally at Paramount. And I had just worked with Jackson and Colin at the Harbinger over at Valiant, mm-hmm. so I knew what they were capable of. And literally, I, I just went to them and I was like, what does Star Trek look like? if it was the Avengers, like what does, or the Justice League, like what does that look like? How do we build series that's been out of that? How do we build a crossover out of that? How do we make this feel like a comic book universe? And it's been just such a crazy wild ride. Um, And, you know, getting to find connecting points, even with some of the other mini series that are happening, like really making this feel like a bonafide comic book line in a way that it just, 
they've never done before and hopefully everyone continues to like it yeah that's fantastic. a great take because like everything was always like you know a comic book based on that particular star trek show as opposed to kind of um uh, kind of a gateway towards all of it in one go as a comic book like uh that's that's a really great idea i don't know why that hasn't existed before i don't think it has existed before has it? it really hasn't i mean there was like the old gold key series and like marvel had the series and dc had the series you know like a long long time ago but you know i just i think it and this is nothing against you know the previous editors at idw or just how paramount you know paramount was very happy with how the books ran so if it ain't broke don't don't fix mm. it right um but you know looking at how idw used to treat licenses everything did kind of exist in a vacuum you know you had the one tmnt ongoing and then you had a bunch of random mini series you have you know or you just have the one book right you'll have mm-hmm. the one sonic book the one transformers book and then a, a little crossovers here and there so there's never really been the opportunity or platform i think to to do this with Star Trek before, but, you know, Star Trek has never been bigger in pop culture. It's, it's, you know, I think the biggest and most successful it's ever been between, you know, Lower Decks and Prodigy and Strange New Worlds and Discovery. And now the JJ movies coming back, like it's, it ain't going away, you know? Um, And so to really kind of build off of that momentum and make the comics feel as interconnected as the TV shows, as the films, are um it's really cool to get to be a part of that yeah that's that's fantastic i mean there's something in strange new worlds that i you know i i i felt the kind of same way about issue one in the sense that it was it was right back to the mission it was boldly going and it was you know it was back to basics on it and and you know strange new worlds has been absolute number one show for me i think more so than the than the next generation which i grew up with you know it's just really hit home and uh this this starts to the comic like it's 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 full of a there's a lot of promise there it looks yeah looks and feels like that in a way and and it just has that kind of optimism about it as well yeah. yeah yeah i know it's crazy it's a book about uh space genocide but it has some optimism it does too, really yeah yeah <laughs> but it really does you know in in the sense that it you know it, it's sticking to um its roots you know um yeah there's so there's there's yeah there's a lot to come and it, it definitely promises a lot more so yeah looking forward to seeing more of it yeah, no, and definitely stay tuned because early next year, I mean, we're getting Defiant, the, the spinoff ongoing. So we're going to have, you know, basically what I'm doing, um, and it's been no secret, is I learned a lot from the successes of the, the Star Wars relaunch in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and I learned a lot about what didn't work. And I'm taking all of that into what we're doing with Star Trek. And um, so if you read any of those Star Wars books that I worked on in 2015 and liked those and liked what we did with them, definitely, definitely check out, um, what we're doing on Star Trek. Uh, I mean, there were some because... huge headlines around those, those Star Wars books yeah. when they launched. They were consistently breaking records at, at, at Marvel, or recent records at Marvel, weren't they? Um, I think that Vader Down was stellar. Like, uh, that's one I keep going back to and like, that's... I mean, what a standout book among a lot of standout books. Um, well, if you uh, like that, uh, yeah. I'm not saying we're not doing something like that. Oh, very good. I mean, next summer. 
I'm not not saying so. Interesting. I'll be there. Shut up and take my money. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just I'm just looking forward. I think I think it'll be uh, pseudo announced next week. So oh, cool. Okay, keep your eyes out. Oh, okay. uh, for a certain free comic book day news. Oh, very good. Excellent. Interesting. Well, make sure we get that on the episode notes, maybe. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 For real, man. Yeah. Um. And we can't we can't jump out of this particular section without looking back at some of some of the things you've done, and and maybe some of the some of the characters you've you've inspired. But you know, I have to ask about Gwenpool. <laughs> so, did that did that originate with you, with the editors, with the creative team, or or you know where where did where did Gwenpool get our get our vibe from? Uh, I mean. God, she is she is the character that shouldn't exist. Yeah, um, <laughs> she literally is a fluke among I don't I don't know. She's a total accident. Uh, we all know Marvel loves their variant cover months, and literally she just came from the Gwen Stacy Man. variant cover mashup yeah. month. You know, Gwen uh, Spider Gwen number one was coming out. What was it? Um, in in twenty sixteen, and they did a month of these. Sure. covers uh that was you know gwen stacy's wolverine gwen stacy as iron man gwen stacy as deadpool and so literally that is where she came from and that design uh full credit to chris patalo who did that cover for deadpool secret secret wars number two um and it just was a hit uh yeah. you know like within within weeks of that that design getting out there there was cosplayers there was fan art um and it really was just uh i don't work there anymore so i can say this like it was literally just the sales department being like we like money um (laughs) yeah it helps make this a character here's the catch at that time marvel didn't have the rights to deadpool it was with fox so she can't be related to deadpool we don't have the rights to Spider-Man because that's with Sony. So she can't be Gwen Stacy. So make a character that's Gwen Pool, that's a mashup of Gwen Stacy and Deadpool, but she can't be related to, to either. Go. Easy. Um, yeah, this is the <laughs> easiest, easiest uh, fucking thing that you could do. Can I swear? Sorry. Oh, yeah. Do whatever you want. Yeah. Motherfucker. But that's, I mean, that 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 is it. And on... Um, you know, we had just worked with Chris Hastings on the Deadpool annual. And so Jordan, myself and Chris, like we went to a diner um, near the Marvel offices and just sat and kind of talked out and tried to figure out like, what can we do? Like, who is this character? What what can we do with it? And um, you know, throwing a bunch of different ideas. And, you know, out of that came the idea of like, what if she's just a marvel comics fan you know that just came from our world and ended up in the marvel universe and thus gwenpool was born fantastic fantastic and went on for (laughs) but it worked in our favor like truly because you know that obviously i'm biased i worked on the book and and she's near and dear to my heart but um if she was related to Deadpool, if she was related to Gwen Stacy, I don't think it would have been as special of a story 
That's true. You know, as it was like her whole arc in that first run, at least that those first two years was her trying to justify her own existence, which kind of we felt we had to as her creators is justify why she's here and her staying power and her relevancy and her legacy. And I think that that story was such a relatable thing for anyone, you know, um, as a human being, we all feel like we have to justify our existence on this planet. Sure. Um, and I think that's what made her so special. And so if, you know, if this came, had come out, you know, two, three years later, when Marvel got the rights back to Spider-Man or the X-Men, like, I don't think, I don't think we would be talking about Gwenpool to this day. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Interesting. One of those moments where a certain kind of rules make a product better, as opposed yeah. to, you know, giving someone so much scope to do whatever they want that they can, you know, fail or possibly succeed. You know, sometimes yeah. some of these little rules like that might make a product better. That's, I, I, I never even put that correlation together with you guys trying to justify her and her trying to justify her own existence in the book before either. That's, yeah. that's pretty interesting. Yeah. We, it was literally just like, her story was literally our story as, as creators. Um, and yeah, so we're, who, who came up with the meta, Gwen or us? Who's to say? But. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Man, yeah, I mean, that, that first, what was it, 20, 25? 25. 25 yeah. issues, yeah, yeah, phenomenal. Um, and yeah, I'm sure as a character we're going to be seeing more of in the future as well. Mm. Hopefully. I mean, God, I. Again, I'm biased, but when I saw that She-Hulk series finale, uh, I was, I just was just like, this is just, this is just practice for Gwenpool, right? Like what you're doing with this, this just really feels like you're preparing for a Gwenpool show. Yeah. Um, yeah. She would fit in there very well, actually. She would fit in there so yeah. well. Yeah. 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 That'd be awesome. And that show is such a joy. It's, it's such a change for a superhero show to, you know, not be a superhero show in a way. It's uh, it's, yeah. it's great. Oh man, it called itself been... out. It was so cool. Yeah, yeah. To call, yeah. It was, it was, yeah. It was, it was awesome. It was everything I wanted that show to be. You know, it was just short of her, you know, turning to the camera and looking for for John Byrne to get involved in, in an <laughs> argument. You know, it was, it was phenomenal. You know, um, yeah, more of that. And yeah, I'd love to see Gwenpool in there. You know, maybe throw in a squirrel girl as well and we're, yeah. we're away. Yeah. 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 That'd be awesome. So, um, look, you were talking about justifying existence. Let's, let's talk about, you know, ending existence. Um, and the reason why you're here is to discuss your, your favorite apocalypse. So, so Heather, over to you. What is your favorite apocalypse? Oh gosh. Uh, the 2016 election. Wait, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> This is the day after Sorry. The, Sorry. the midterms. <laughs> Just want to let you know. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, I have to go with the classic zombie apocalypse, right? Oh, like, yes. It ain't broke, you know? That is Ben's yeah. favorite. Yes. It's it's my big favorite. And I thought everyone would be bringing up a zombie, but no one's brought up a zombie yet. I feel, I feel like it's, you know, it feels like the most obvious so people like avoid it you know it, it's it, it's like when i was working on a star wars anthology of things and like uh it was an empire strikes back anthology and and, and a writer pitched like can i write yoda and we're like no one has pitched yoda yet you know it's it's the most obvious one so no one wants to touch it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> everyone's so, been yeah. really well, obscure what's your go-to zombie what's your zombie universe or your your favorite kind of zombie what's well, oh, where, where do you go with that 
my I mean my favorite zombie movie mm-hmm. is 28 days later that's oh yeah I cool mean, it's it's such a good one they um, are the scariest zombies yeah they are the rage you know the rage. virus yeah, yeah that is scary because it's unpredictable. kind of true like it's kind of <laughs> <laughs> not too far off from the from the truth i don't know i you know just as a storyteller i think i've always found um zombies and like j- just monster stories in general very mm-hmm. interesting um because they are so reflective of where we are as a society and culture mm. and that's it's why i like horror so much and so much of of my independent work that you see me do is horror related it's, yeah um it all is speaking to culture and just what, you know, how we view the world. And, and so if you go back through time and look at the various different um, zombie stories and really analyze that to what is going on in sociopolitical climates at the time, it's, it's really interesting um, to see. And so I think just, you know, just to get the pretentious storyteller, that's why I like this. I thought it was because they were scary, but okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, no, no, it's great. Um, so you know, so the Romero stuff with the, I suppose, the rise of consumerism in the in the in the seventies, the sixties and seventies. Um, so that that's that's where we're going with yeah, this. Yeah, so we got Day of the Dead and yeah, yeah. All of the, or Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Um, and that'd be that'd be my favorite zombie, conflicting against your fast rage virus. I was yeah, always into the, the slow, slow crawl. Yeah, you know, if you can run for days, get away, get a sleep in, but then they're still coming. You wake up to they're just a little bit on the horizon, and and they're never never stop you know i mean that's yeah. absolutely terrifying i mean and like i i've been saying this since it came out wally's a zombie movie like you look at all the humans and their chairs plugged into things they're just human zombies right like it's just it it's uh you know being brain dead and plugged in is there's there's a lot of different varying ways to to go about it and then you get your walking deads which i think is really interesting because mm-hmm. You know, Walking Dead, to me anyway, isn't necessarily about the zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about what you would do as a human to survive um, rather than there's a zombie apocalypse, which I think is really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think kind of why I stopped watching it. Uh, because it just got too depressing. <laughs> it turned into less about, you know, surviving zombies and more into like surviving other humans. Yeah. And, and who's who's the bigger threat, right? It ain't the zombies, it's it's the other other like humans, and that just that just got too depressing. <laughs> yeah, it was probably yeah, it got very dark when you know they started making their own bullets so they could keep using the guns, like no. Oh. Yeah, you have to keep with the guns. Yeah, it's 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 their universe when these things that you know, a little bit of blood gets in your blood or your mouth somehow, and that's not as scary as this guy with knives or a big bat with like barbed wire all over it or a gun, whatever. Um, that 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 quick there or that slow killing these things can give you and turn you into this monster isn't nearly as terrifying as this guy who can just be the biggest guy in the block and take what he wants from you yeah yeah it's scary that um i suppose that thing where they looked at you know somebody like the governor where it's a person who had relatively no power or agency in their own life prior to the catastrophe that caused the uh the zombie apocalypse then becomes like this dictator 
who is taking advantage. You know, the, the 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 zombie apocalypse was the greatest thing that ever happened to him, really. You know, and they're just taking taking full advantage of it, and it's it's human nature all over, really. It wouldn't particularly matter if it was zombies or vampires or mm-hmm. witches or whatever. You know, it was. It's just people are bit crap when when they're they're put in these positions of of you know extreme choices and you know 90% of them will choose themselves i think and and uh they, you know the selfishness kind of kind of shines through in in the walking dead it's very clever that way what was there, what, what was um, what was about 28 days later then just was it just a scary zombie or something about the the army being the threat as opposed to the zombies or I think that, I think the army, you know, the armies, you know, um, again, it's very reflective of, of humanity and, and, and just, uh, the fact that I think what is always so interesting to me about the zombie stories is at the end of the day, we did it to ourselves. It is a human problem through and through and through. And, you know, we want to dehumanize these creatures and we want to dehumanize and objectify the problem. But at the end of the day, even World War Z, right? Like it all started from human and human error um and it's just it's so so fascinating to me that um in that story it the question is is who to me who has the least amount of humanity is it the zombies or is it you know the, yeah. the army army base that they're at um, it's kind of like another one of my favorite uh, horror movies, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, right? Like, oh, yeah. who's, the, who's the bigger monster, the one outside the house or the guy who saved you? Um, I don't know, yeah. right? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Uh, and so, yeah. you get out of that house, you almost run back in, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's, it is, I, and 20 days later, I think, too, is just impressive. Just, it's, it's such a low budget, impressive. Mm-hmm. film of what they were able to do with so little and the performance like Killian Murphy kills it yeah, in his amazing. performances. Um like it's just a great, 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 great low budget film that really stands the test of time. And and those zombies are scary. Like, yeah. They are they are terrible. They are scary. Um it's it's really impressive. We we talked about those zombies a little bit on our intro episode. And like one of the things I, I brought up, I'm going to bring it up again now, was uh, I didn't realize those guys, those zombies were running up until they were they were changing the tire in, in the in the tunnel. And was, there's a moment where they, there's a shadow cap on the wall, and then I noticed in the silhouette that they were running. And I went, I've done the whole film not realizing why I was so scared of these guys. Because uh, yeah, they're different. Yeah. Well, that's that's the most horror movies again, especially up until the, and I think that's again why this stood out so much up until that time it's the look slow hulking figure right like even even halloween right mike myers like he's just kind of looming and um he'll always find you it's lurking it's that tension um but with 28 days later and the like the the running and the sprinting like it's just a panic it's 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 just just that constant panic and, and fear um in a real like fight or flight way that's that's really interesting oh it's yeah i mean big time i mean it is as and said. also it's it's not just because what makes you know dawn of the dead what makes that scary is there's a hundred a thousand yeah. of them right like 
But with these, it could be a one-on-one and, and you might not get out of that. It's, just, it's, it's an immediate threat, you know, so you're, you're kind of banking on that, those moments where you're hiding and you hope that they can't smell you or you don't sneeze yeah. or something like give your position. You can't away, outrun you know? these guys. Yeah, yeah. You can't, they don't stop. No, whereas um, you, you possibly can't hide from the other ones where they're just knocking on the door and you have to try find another way out or something. It's, yeah. uh, yeah, um, they're, they are my favorite monster of all time. Like, I can't get enough. I'll take them in all forms. As you kind of said, like the people in Wally were kind of like, like zombies. Yeah. And I kind of find that like there's loads of things in like cartoons that like they've essentially made zombies into characters for kids in a way, you know, like, uh, like I was watching this, um, I was watching an episode of Hildu with my daughter and there's a moment where they unleash this thing from some other realm, but there's like loads of them and they keep coming out and the only way they can get rid of them, uh, they don't look like zombies, they look like people, they, they're these kind of um, headless black things with um, eyes on their hands. Okay. Oh, nice. And yeah, yeah, like, I mean, really creepy in a kid cartoon, but it's done in such a way that, well, I haven't given my daughter nightmares yet, but I guess they're pending, oh, you know. Um, but there's, you know, another form to them. We talked about it again in another episode that there was an episode of Doctor Who where they didn't have zombies. They had people turn into uh, people in, in army uh, outfits with uh, gas, with, masks. Uh, gas masks on and stuff. So as soon as they were touched, they, you'd look around and they'd go from being dressed like a normal person to being dressed like that. It's like, oh, oh my God. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's always these devices to kind of turn something into some zombie or an apocalyptic monster uh, without having to go the zombie route. And uh, they can be just as scary, you know, in all forms of, of, of whether it be Wally for a Pixar film or whether it be Hilda for preschool kids or whether it be uh, Doctor Who for people, I don't know, I don't know what their demographic is, whatever they, they are. Yeah. So, so where do you stand on the, um, I suppose the, the 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 cute zombies? So you've got you know you've got Plants vs Zombies, massive franch- game franchise. Mm-hmm. You've got Shaun of the Dead, you know that ends with that that scene in the in the uh, the shed out back um, with Nick Frost um, plugging into his to his PlayStation Three. Um, you know they have been somewhat homogenized or so, somewhat um, uh, transformed into into more I suppose consumable um characters you know so yeah. does does that drive you nuts or i i i would say i'm indifferent on it i don't know like i just i i'm very it, it is interesting that i pick zombie apocalypse because like in general like most zombie things i would say i'm disinterested in <laughs> but like the really good ones are really good yeah um, you know, like there was, there was this time where God zombies were fucking <laughs> everywhere. Right. Like the call of duty had their zombies like thing and, you know, left for dead, obviously. Um, but the, the early 2000s zombies were everywhere and it definitely was no pun intended. Hey. Um, but yeah, but, but then you get the stuff that lands, right? Like, like the 28 days later. And I think Shaun of the yeah. Dead is really fun. Um, it, you know, uh, it's, you can't beat Simon Pegg anything. He's, he's great. Nice so, um, but yeah, Plants for Zombies, I don't know enough about to have an opinion. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think, oh God, what was, it was a British television show. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it's called, but Riz Ahmed was in it. 
where it was like a big brother reality yeah, show where the um, zombie outbreak dead, happened. Dead stage or dead something or that, wasn't it? Dead set. Dead, dead set. Dead set. Yeah. yeah. That, that was great. That was cool. Yeah. That was a really, really, really cool show. Oh, I'm just really having a cool idea. Having a flashback to your man shitting in the bin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at me. Uh, <laughs> it's funny how out of all the horrors on the show, that's the one that comes to that's mind. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, everyone can relate uh, to that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there was one yeah. um, I don't know, cute zombies or. Did you ever see the film Fido? I, I think I think its lead is Billy Connolly. He plays the zombie. Really? But it's about people. Yeah, I think so. I, I could be wrong. Don't quote me on it, but I, I think it's Billy Connolly. And um, it basically, people have kind of gotten over the zombie apocalypse and now they use zombies as kind of like servants. Um, and it's, you know, again, kind of opening up that question of like, who's more inhumane, the humans or the zombies? Because um, the zombies are kind of being treated very poorly by their human masters. Um, and this one zombie who Billy Connolly plays kind of becomes this uh, uh, a parent figure to this kid and starts looking out for him. And uh, it's 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 a really good take on it. Um, it wasn't something I was expecting to go back to and watch a second and third time. Um, but it's it's worth your while. But I was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I want to watch a zombie film where the zombies aren't, you know, ripping people apart and going all gore. And uh, but it's it's brilliant. I recommend that if, if if you think you want your standard zombie, that's one. Check it out on my channel. Oh, I gotta check that out. Yeah, yes. I think it's called Fido. I'm pretty it sure. is. I just looked it up. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> is it Billy Connolly? Yes. Hey. Yeah. Hey, look at that. Yeah. Good job. Pretty good. Um, I want and my my favorite zombies of late have been the. Uh, the clickers out of the last of us they've just been mm-hmm. terrifying just they're I, big i can't wait for that show cauliflower heads um like it's just that noise they make as i was saying to i said to, to ben on a previous episode but, but that noise is how i call my dog you know so whenever <laughs> whenever that show is on tv the dog's gonna be really confused it's gonna be like yeah you need me what oh i don't <laughs> um but yeah um they Since are. you've been editing so many titles the last number of years, and they're like, do you even have time to play games? Do you play games? That kind of stuff. Is it? Do you find it hard to get time where you're not reading a script or a book or a reference material or something like that? Uh, I do play games. I definitely don't play as much as I, you know, I wish I had time for. Um, but I am a very hardcore Fortnite player. Oh, I cool. literally play Fortnite every single day. Oh, wow. Um uh gotta get spider gwen is the is level 100 this season so you get that spider gwen skin nice. um but uh yeah and then beyond that i'm really big into the assassin's creed franchise so i've played oh, cool. every single one of those multiple times religiously um Ezio forever oh yeah uh and then um i you know i've played the um elden ring like i did i did all of that so uh, but yeah, I really uh, wanted to play that, but it just seemed too. It's very hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's very hard. Um, but I'm a comics editor, so I am a masochist at all. <laughs> you don't like sleep, yeah? No, I don't. No. Um, yeah, no, I do. I do still still game. It's really hard for me though to like w- sit down and watch like television shows. 
mm-hmm. after, you know, and just like analyzing story. It's just when my job is analyzing story. So I watch so much trashy reality television <laughs> and I am not ashamed of it. Uh, Married at first sight for life. I love that show. It's great drama. What's it called? Uh, Married at first sight. Um, and it is. He's exactly, pretending he doesn't know. He knows. No idea. Yeah. He's the biggest I, thought, like, I thought I know this. No, I have no idea what this is. Uh, it's a show where two strangers get married and then they see if they work it. Wow. It works out. Did he really get married? Oh yeah. yeah. Legally married. They're set right. up by like psychiatrists and like a sex therapist. Like, you know, they do all these interviews and they set them up and see if the experiment works. And a lot of times it does. A lot Holy of times it really? doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a uh, excellent television. Yeah, how many? And it makes you one? feel a lot better about your own personal life too. <laughs> watching it. Oh God, it's been on for like a long time. Yeah, it's got to be ten years. Right. Are there people like from the first season still married? That kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Wow. Okay. Yeah, they have a better success rate than The Bachelor. So. Okay. I don't um, know what that one is either. But like, define success rate. <laughs> Um, uh, so for Bachelor, about a quarter of the couples have stayed together right, across okay. the like 25 seasons. That is so. such a weird show. It is weird, but I love it. I'm One obsessed. guy and he's like, hey, yeah, it's, you know, and what's yeah. it, what's, how's that show work? I don't know that show either. Oh. Uh, you're one person and you're dating 30 women and you have to propose to one at the end. Right. Right. Okay. How does anyone say yes in the end? That's, you know, it's like. Oh, they want they want their Instagram fame. <laughs> of course, of course. If you, I was so and wrong. If you stay together for a full year after the show, you get to keep the ring. All right. Okay. <laughs> you serious? Oh, there's an incentive for everybody. Nice. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that on your mantelpiece, like twenty years later, grandkids asking you where you got that from. It's in the pawn shop. You know, a year and a day, and <laughs> it's in the pawn shop. They're hawking that. You know. <laughs> get the full value back yeah man um yeah that's interesting because i look i i write and for years it's kind of bugged me that i sit there and i'll watch a tv show and there's certain cues or they'll spend a kind of a little more time on a character and you know where this is going and you're looking at them yeah they did it it was them you know, and you're, you're five minutes in and it's like, ugh, okay, so you're just, you know, you're just spoiling everything on yourself then, you know, you can't really disconnect that, that kind mm-hmm. of storytelling, um, gene when you're, when you're, you know, faced with other stories. So yeah, maybe I should, I should dig into reality TV. Maybe that's the, uh, the, the cure, the cure I know yeah. the writers podcast like they all seem to watch some form of reality tv i know ben acker is a big fan of uh, survivor yeah um, yeah that's probably the only one i'm aware of because it isn't to that podcast but um my wife loves survivor she's always, she's constantly watching it yeah yeah um she likes it's it going, like, she likes it for the puzzles she well. tells me you know so <laughs> yeah and i read it for the articles so you know it's all good <laughs> yeah um okay cool so um heather thank you so much for joining us before you go um i would love to find out or we would love to find out um a couple of things that you're looking forward to something that you're hopeful about we've just destroyed the world with you know a rampaging horde of zombies of all of all stripes but um what's you know what's there to hope for uh sleep i think (laughs) nice so much sleep 
peace and quiet, man. Now, now that these zombies are out there, hopefully out more meetings will get canceled. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's how, you know, I'm burnt out. I did it. I did another apocalypse space podcast God years ago. And they asked like what they like randomly picked an apocalypse and you had to like pitch your like survival plan oh, nice. and, and and i was just like i think i'm just gonna accept my fate like i think <laughs> i'm just gonna like, it's gonna walk it on the street take me zombies just like like all right it's coming get a good book sit down when it happens <laughs> it was a good run that's how yeah exactly that's how you that's how you know i'm a millennial in america <laughs> just accept that's my healthcare plan. Uh, just accept that it's my time. Mm. Um, no, uh, definitely excited. Looking forward to, you know, more of the Star Trek line that we've talked about. Awesome. Um, the spinoff series by Chris Cantwell and on Helen Sveta. Star Trek Defiant number one comes out in March of 2023. And it's, we're super excited about it. We have a cool. bunch of new announcements coming out soon. Um, in regards to this line, um, as well as on the creator-owned side, the collection of uh, Rogue's Gallery will be mm-hmm. out early December um, by your fel- fellow Irish woman, uh, Hannah Rose May, um, and Declan, who helped with that, and Justin Mason, Fiona Farrell, and Haas, that's my know-how. Very, very proud of that book. Fantastic um, book. Yeah. If you are a comics fan of any, any kind, I highly, highly recommend uh, checking it out and picking it up. It's only four issues long, so it's a really quick read, but um, it's going to be made into a TV show. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It has one of the best gags from a writer's perspective ever in the, those opening pages where you're reading it going, this dialogue, it's not like, it's not great. And then you realize it's the show dialogue. And, it's on purpose. And then yeah. they take the piss out of that. And you're like, oh, so good, you know? Yeah. It's like I wanted to high five everyone at that point. <laughs> you got me. Yeah, that, that was fantastic. Um, yeah. Cool. So, yeah, and then Rogue's Gallery, that's, that's heading to TV. So, fantastic. So exciting. Yeah, congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. And the, that news came out very quickly after the first issue came out, didn't it? Uh, yeah, well, it's so uh, we already knew about it before <laughs> the first issue came out. We were wow. like, make the announcement before FOC, you know, help <laughs> help our orders to be going to oh, Hollywood. What are you going to do? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the, they announced it uh, pretty quickly after, which was really exciting. And it's just it's so crazy to get to be on the sun and, and watch it all happen. Yeah. So yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. All right. Well, um, Heather Antos, thank you so much for joining us on the Odds Pod. Yeah, we, great to talk to you. We had a blast. Yeah. And we will uh, we'll keep an eye out for those zombies. I hope they're the slow ones. I don't want to run. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the Odds Pod. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Look out for the odds coming soon from Scout Comics. And please tell us what your favorite apocalypse is. You can find me on Twitter at Benessy. That's B-E-N-N-E-S-S-Y. And me on at Dave Hendrick. Big thanks to our producer, Adrian Carty. And we'll see you at the end of the world.